Oh, it's good to be back here. Um, I first came into this building in 1989. Um, Dr. Don Smith and Faye were old family friends uh, from Eugene, where I was, my dad was a pastor, and we knew the Smiths. Um, and I used to push, uh, pull um, their daughter around in the wagon, because I was a little bit older than she was. Um, but I was, I was starting to study at Western Seminary, and so I came here um, because this church was more the size of the church I had grown up in, Hornbrook, California. <clears throat> oh, people know Hornbrook? Okay, good, good, good. Yes, yes, yes. Nee, 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 nee. So my, my history goes back here uh, a long time. So uh, Jordan, when you said that, um, it reminded me of, we had some missionaries come to Taiwan. And uh, uh, they were a young family, and they had three little boys running around. And as I was helping them unload their stuff and get into their house, um, it was Bobby and Brianna Brown and their three boys. And Bobby says to me, he goes, Peter, how old are you? And I said, oh, see, I'm 57. He goes, oh, you're a year older than my dad. <laughs> and at first I was like, oh man, that really makes me feel old. And then I was like, you have three boys. They're like my grandkids, yes! Our girls just graduated from, from Corbin University, and so no grandkids yet, uh, no boyfriends, so remember that. We're having a great time in Taiwan. Uh, this church sent us out when it was Faith Baptist Church, sent us out to um, Taiwan in 1995, and we had a, we've had a wonderful 25, 30 years there, uh, 26 years. Um, and Debbie was actually, I baptized Debbie in the baptismal right there, soon after we were married. Um, so uh, I teach, uh, Debbie teaches at the seminary, Greek and Hebrew and uh, Old Testament and other fun stuff. And I get to work with church planting. Uh, we've planted a church, the Grace Place, and we're working with that. We'll tell you more about some of that during lunch. Uh, I'm also the field leader for World Venture, our sending organization, and that gives me uh, fun administrative stuff to um, uh, deal with when I absolutely have to. And then I also get to be a part of the Taiwan Missionary Fellowship, an organization of uh, all the mission organization, evangelical mission organizations and missionaries in Taiwan. Um, and uh, we, we get together and we, we encourage each other to do what God wants us to do and how we can do that best in Taiwan. So lots of fun stuff we get to have with that. We arrived in the US in um, uh, April 28th, and we've been here, and soon after we arrived, Taiwan had an outbreak of COVID, and so uh, we were gonna go back on the 30th of June, but we really don't wanna go back to Taiwan and have to sit in our house you know, with only meeting max four people and all that kind of, so we're going to extend our stay here and enjoy the wonderful cool northwest even though it's going to be hot today it's not humid <laughs> so this is this is nice um debbie's mom muriel is here with us um she's just down around over the way on uh, 82nd and sandy and so we get to be home here with her and um, we were just with our girls yesterday in salem and 
Uh, they're having fun. If you want to know more about our family, um, we'll get to that. Am I forgetting anything else? Oh, yes, the table in the back. Um, if you go out the main doors and right to your left as you go around, um, we have a table and it has uh, um, information, has our prayer card if you need to update your refrigerator uh, magnet thing. Um, it's there. And on that is also our email address. And there's also a sign-up sheet. If you're not getting um, email updates from Debbie, because she, she's the one who writes them most of the time, um, if you're not getting them from her directly, then you can put your name and your email address, and she will put you on the list, and you'll get it um, those updates right away. Um, I think that's it. Good. Right. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to hear your word this morning. And Lord, we pray that as we already said, we believe that your Holy Spirit works in our heart. And so, Lord, we pray that your spirit would open our hearts and help us to be receptive to your word for each of us this morning. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. <coughs> this morning, I am interviewing Dove a short-term missionary who had an incredible response as he ministered to where God called him to go. And I understand that the story is not yet finished. Um, Dove, first tell us about your name. That's an interesting name. A lot of times when people, God calls people in the Bible, uh, he gives them really interesting names like Yahweh exalts or Yahweh is my judge or Yahweh is God or something like that. Does Dove mean peace or the Holy Spirit? It, no, no, uh, not in my culture. Uh, Dove is actually a direct translation of my name from the original language, and um, Dove doesn't mean peace. It means flighty, <clears throat> irresponsible, undependable, easily scared, and flies away. I know it's Father's Day, but I don't know what my dad was thinking of when he gave me that name. Well, that's interesting. Well, tell us about your call to missions. A lot of people have really interesting calls when God called them to serve him. Yes, well, God called me to go to a closed-access nation, um, and I, it was specifically the, the capital city of that uh, closed-access nation, and he was very clear. That country, that nation had become so vile, so wicked, that he was going to uh, judge it. And um, he told me to go and tell them, um, he was going to judge it. Wow. Well, uh, that's pretty exciting that God called you. Uh, you got to hear God's voice directly. That's, that's pretty amazing. How did you respond to that? Well, I, I was not excited at all. It's like, oh, really? This place? Two good reasons why I didn't want to go there. <clears throat> Number one, that nation, God was right. They're vile, wicked, horrible place. And all the nations around them were scared to death of them. Um, sort of like Taiwan living near China, and right now a lot of the nations around China are afraid. Um, but that nation had a reputation of just brutality in all their warfare. Um, their, their habit was to cut off their enemies' heads and then peel their skin off and stick the skin on the walls of their cities. And so I knew if I went to that country, I, I would just be beheaded and my hide was hung on their wall. But uh, I really didn't want to go, and it would be like Jews going back into Nazi Germany. It's like, why would I want to go there? That would be... Ugh. The second reason, probably the biggest reason I did not want to go there is because God called me to go there and warn them about his judgment. And I grew up in Sunday school, well, Shabbat school, that's what we called it. 
I grew up, I knew who God was like. I knew what he would, was thinking. And God's announcements of judgment are also opportunities for him to demonstrate mercy if they repented. And uh, I figured if I didn't go warn them, then they wouldn't have a chance to repent, and then God would have to judge them. That's my plan. And I had plenty of reasons to stay where I was. I mean, my hometown, it needed to hear about God. I didn't have to go somewhere else. Tell I could just do it right here. And learning that language, oh, Horrible people and a horrible language. So I didn't want to go. Um, and plus, if I went and God judged them, yes, then I'd be a hero. But if I went and warned them and they repented and changed, everyone in my hometown would know that I was the one who saved them and I couldn't go back home again. It would have been a disaster. So how did you respond? Well... God wanted me to go there, so I went there. I went absolutely the opposite direction, five times further away. I just packed my bags and took off. Anyone who really knows God knows you really can't run away from God. But I thought if I just plugged my ears and just, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, I'll just do my own thing, I'd be happier and could just live my own life that way. And, it, and let me tell you, it doesn't work very well. Um, uh, we serve a God who, who's uh, the master of the universe. He knows everything. And you can't run away from God. Uh, happiness and joy are found in Him, uh, not in doing my own thing. So don't ignore God and try doing your own thing. You can't be happy and successful uh, trying to ignore God. Yeah, I have a little bit of my own experience with that. Before I went to Taiwan, I went to Palau, Micronesia, and served for, as a short-term missionary. Um, but I wasn't fully invested there, at least for the initial part, until God got a hold of my heart. I learned that only serving God when you're fully committed to him can there be happiness and joy. So, Dev, did you have opportunities to share the gospel while you were running away from God? Well, yeah, I kind of sort of had an opportunity to share God. Um, the, the people that were with me as, we were, as I was running away... Um, I completely destroyed their business and got, almost got them all killed. Um, but I, I didn't care. I, I slept through most of it. I was just, just hiding out and not paying any attention. I was oblivious to the world around me. Sometimes, nowadays, churches seem to be like that, just oblivious to what's going on around them. Finally, they came and woke me up and, and asked me who I was. And the situation we were in was definitely a God thing. So they asked me who my God, the God that I served. And when I told them, I mean, I realized this whole situation is my fault. It was pretty obvious. And um, I told them that in order to save themselves, they would just have to sacrifice me. I wasn't willing to sacrifice myself, no, but they would have to sacrifice me. Wow, that sounds like some of the opportunities that we're having during this pandemic uh, we have the world is asking questions, eternal questions, because of the pandemic and the fear that's out there. And yet, uh, sometimes Christians are so oblivious for the, the needs that are out there. They're so concerned with their own comfort and safety that we miss the opportunities that we have to share about Jesus. So, Dove, do you, have, uh, do you know if any of them actually believed in God? Well, yes, amazing. I mean, I never gave them the opportunity to believe in God or explain any of that stuff, but they, they actually started believing in God and started praying to God and repenting and, um, and doing stuff, so it's, it seemed like they turned to God. Um, but it wasn't because of anything I said. I didn't push that. 
In some ways, they were, they were more responsive to God than I was. But anyway, thankfully, God is able to work through us, even though we're not participating in it. And God, God will do what he wants to do, despite whether we're with him or not. So what happened then? You said that they sacrificed you? Well, yeah, they, they tried to sacrifice me, um, but God saved me in a, in a pretty amazing way. Um, I, I thought I was going to die. I should have died. Um, but people take that part of my story and they make it the whole thing. And it was really just a small part of what was going on. And so um, not really the point. It was just a tool that God used to get my attention and get me to turn around and, and do what he wanted me to do. In the process, God gave me several days of complete isolation where I could just pray and focus on what God wanted me to do and think about obeying. And I prayed nonstop um, and just praised God for his goodness and his salvation. And during that time, like many in those kind of situations, I promised God that if he would save me, I would serve him. And like many in those kinds of situations, it wasn't completely true. Because um, I wanted mercy for me, um, but I really didn't want mercy for them and others. So, um, yeah, that's what it was like. So what happened after that? Well, um, after, after that uh, time of isolation and such, God reinforced his call that he wanted me to go to them. And so, uh, and he told me exactly what he wanted me to say. It was, he was very clear about what he wanted to say. And I learned my lesson, so I did exactly what God told me to do. I went to that disgusting nation and uh, told them and was obedient to God. Um, at that time, that capital city was probably the, the biggest and most beautiful city in the world, the known world at that time. But I didn't care. I didn't know. It didn't bother me. It wasn't a part of it. I couldn't enjoy it because there's, I was both scared and I was glad. I was scared that my hide would be hanging on their wall soon, but I was also glad. I was glad because of the message God gave me to take to them. His message was total destruction. That was it. So all I did was walk up and down the streets of that city shouting, God's going to judge you. You're all going to die. <laughs> Well, that's pretty interesting. That's not normally the message that we share on short-term missions trips. No. We have short-term missions trips come, like your church, come to Taiwan oftentimes, and we usually focus on God's love and His grace, and, and we've actually seen kids come to Christ as a result of short-term mission trips uh, from churches like yours. We've seen kids come to Christ, and now they're faithfully following Him. Um, so I suppose with your message of destruction, that the people weren't very responsive and they didn't warmly welcome you. Uh, well, that's what I thought too. Miraculously, it was quite the opposite. No one did anything to me. Uh, I, I expected them to just lose my head and be skinned, but nothing happened to me. No one did anything to me. Everyone from the king all the way down to the little kids um, just changed. They repented. They, they started praying to God. They believed in God. And this, this pagan king humbling himself and... And, and he even made not just the people, but all the animals. No, no food, no water. They were just, they were just broken. They, they, wanted to be, they wanted to be saved. They were re repenting. And I hadn't even offered it to them. I didn't even talk about compassion from God. But 
they took the chance. They believed. They tried to repent and turn from their sin and hope that maybe God would have mercy on them. Wow, that's really amazing uh, to see so many people respond to God. You must have been really excited about their response, seeing all those people change and ask God for mercy. Uh, who gets to see that many people respond to God on a short-term missions trip? Yeah, well, I'm embarrassed now, but um, no, I, I was not excited, not at all. Um, uh, I was mad at God. Um, I couldn't tolerate a God who treated those people the same way he was supposed to treat us, his people, God's people, giving them grace, just like he gives me grace. So I told God, I said, I told you so. I knew you were going to do that. And then I quoted this verse back to him. Um, uh, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. I said, I told you, that's why I ran away. I knew if I went, you would have grace on him. Well, that's a really key Old Testament verse. Uh, that's a place in, uh, where God introduces himself to Moses and uh, tells Moses, this is primarily who I am. The first thing God says about himself is that he's compassionate. His identity is one of love and grace, not of judgment. Yeah, but see, I believe that compassion had to do with me and my people, not them, because obviously they don't deserve any of that compassion. They're brutal. They're vicious. They needed judgment. And everyone, all the nations around them, all agreed that they needed to be judged. It, it just goes to show. All God's people believe that some deserve God's love, and then there's others like, no, sorry, they don't. No, because they're just so horrible. So in some ways, then my, my heart was harder than, than their hearts. I wonder if sometimes if the hearts of God's people now have become hardened and, and not compassionate. Um, so I, I, I was so upset with God. I just told God, God, if you don't kill them, then just kill me because I don't want to live. Wow, this is a really interesting missionary testimony. Most, <laughs> most, most missionaries don't see huge groups of people come to Christ mm. so quickly especially on a short-term mission team, and even less missionaries are upset about that. <laughs> so what, what, uh, how did you respond to that? Well, I just, I just went up on a hill, pulled my stuff together, sat up on a hill, and, and I, I waited for God to judge them. Come on, judge. Because he told me to tell them that he was going to judge them. So I waited for God to judge them. But it's miserable hot in that country. Sometimes, I mean, it's supposed to get hot today, but, I mean, there it sometimes gets to 120 degrees. I don't even know why they even built a city out in the middle of that place. Just miserable hot. Um, so I was really thankful. God made this plant grow up next to me, and it shaded me. Oh, that just made all the difference. It was so much more comfortable there. Um, in fact, if you read my story, that is the one time in the entire story that I was happy. Well, they had this plant. It was nice. But 
God then sent a, a bug to come and chew and plant, and overnight, it was dead overnight. So the next morning, it was like my shade was gone, and then God made this hot wind blow on the dust and sand. It was just so miserable. And again, I whined. If you read my story, I whine a lot in the story. I just want to die. This is the second time. Just kill me. This is so miserable. Hill. Just let me die. Um, and finally, God began to challenge me with a bunch of questions. He said, do you have a good reason to be angry? I said, of course I do. You didn't do what you said you were going to do, and then you killed my plant that was so nice. Of course I'm angry. He said, do you have a reason to be angry about the plant? It was nice. It was, it was comfortable. It made life bearable. And then he said, you've been concerned about this plant, and though you didn't tend it or grow it or do anything with it, it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. You had nothing to do with it, but the city out in front of you has 120,000 kids in it that don't know their right hand from their left. Shouldn't God have compassion over them? And of course, the real question is, shouldn't we have compassion for the world that is lost and the people who don't know God? Well, those are really good questions that God asked you. How did you answer, and, and how, what did uh, the people of the city do? Well, that's, that's the odd thing. My, my story just ends right there. Uh, there. There is no explanation of what I did or, or what the people did. Um, it just stops right there. It's unsatisfying, and it's incomplete. Um, yeah, if you did, wrote a story like that for school, they, the teacher would just say, finish it, come on. Um, but the point of my story is, well, the story really, it's not really about me. It's, it's about the reader. It's about you, whoever read the story. That sounds like a lot of other stories in the Bible. We have the story of the prodigal son, where the father, where the story ends with the father asking the oldest son, are you going to come into the party? And we never know how the son responds. Or actually, the uh, real ending of the Gospel of Mark has the angel's command to go and tell, and the women run away because they're afraid and they don't tell anyone anything. And the story really ends at that point in time. Uh, so it sounds interesting that your story ends with a question. Yeah. My story is kind of an invitation to others, to, to you all, to think. Um, God's command is to go and to tell others, so how do you respond? My story ends in a question, big question mark at the end. A question which made me think it should make you and your church think too. Do I believe grace and compassion is just for me and my church, the insiders? Or am I going to respond to others like them <clears throat> and with a heart of compassion like God has compassion? Am I going to be part of God's kingdom expansion? Am I, am I more concerned about my own comfort and whatever vine or whatever is I'm finding comfort in, is that more important than all those people who don't know God? We need to hear God's judgment and mercy. They need to know that. And do we have compassion to share that with them? Think about my story. The comfort from that vine, that plant, touched my heart and moved me. It moved me more than 120,000 kids. One stinking little vine. So what about you? 
What motivates you to do what God wants you to do? Is it compassion? Do you really believe that you can have a happy, satisfying, fulfilling life doing your own thing and ignoring God? I knew God's truth. I knew he was a compassionate God. I memorized scripture. I knew who God was like, but I wasn't like God because I didn't have compassion for them. I didn't share his compassion for those people, for anyone really. For the world that is separated from him, going to an eternity separated from God and everything that's good, I didn't have compassion for them. Not enough compassion that would motivate me to action. I didn't go there because I had a compassion on them. I went there because God didn't give me a choice. I had to go. My story was written to my people, God's people, the Israelites, to challenge their complacency back then because they, were, they weren't sharing God's compassion with the world around them. They had gotten so focused on themselves and the ways God was blessing us we lost sight of the rest of the world. We didn't care about the rest of the world. We just wanted God's blessing for ourselves. We desired his blessings and being God's chosen people, but we refused the responsibility to share that with others. And I believe that to the extent that churches now are like Israel back then, the story is written to us as well. Well, it sounds like uh, Dove's story is not... The end of the story is not yet written. It sounds like we are the ones who write that story. It's easy to be judgmental against Dove and say, how can you be so calloused? How can you be so judgmental against those people? How can you be so selfish and concerned with your own comfort more than people who are going to hell without God's grace and compassion? And yet while we're clucking our tongues at Dove, God then responds to us and say, what about you? Are you more concerned with people who need Jesus than your own comfort and your own, uh, than your, your own situation? It sounds like Dove found out that God is a missionary God. Missions is not simply one of God's many concerns. It's his central concern. From the very beginning of the Bible till the very end, God is outreaching people, saving people. God has a heart of compassion for other people. It should come as no surprise that when Christ's church has been the most spiritually vibrant is when it's been the most missionary, when it's been the most evangelistic, when it's been caring for people who need Jesus. So as a result of Dove's story, how are you going to pray differently? Is the compassion that God has shown you worth spending time, investing time, praying for a world that needs Jesus? This is the generation that has more access to prayer resources than any others. If you have a smartphone, you can find Operation World, and it will remind you every day of how to pray for countries around the world. And if you don't have a smartphone, there are prayer resources on the back of the table back there that will tell you how to pray. Is it worth your time to pray for the world? The second question is, how are you going to give differently? 
is the compassion that God has shown you worth sharing your resources with a world that needs to hear about Jesus? Even during a pandemic? Are we more concerned with our own comfort, with our own new smartphone, with our own new TV, with our own new car, or a world that needs to hear about Jesus? Thirdly, how are you going to relate to a world that God has brought to your doorstep differently? I think that one of the reasons the U.S. was hit with the pandemic more than other countries is that God has brought the world to Portland, Oregon. You have a huge number of people from around the world right here, probably right within walking distance of you here. And many of those people would ha never have an opportunity to hear about Jesus in their own countries. We've heard that 85% of international students who come to study in the US go back to their own countries without ever entering a Christian home and hearing about Jesus. Many of those <clears throat> excuse me, students are from, from countries that missionaries can't go to. And yet God brought them here to Portland, to Northeast Portland, to East Side Portland, where you have an opportunity, you have freedom to tell them about Jesus. <clears throat> what are you going to do about that? And how are you going to live differently? You may say, well, God hasn't called me to be a missionary. Jesus' last command to his disciples was go and make disciples of all nations. Are you a disciple of Jesus? That doesn't necessarily mean you need to get on an airplane, but it may mean that you need to be willing to get on an airplane and tell people about Jesus. What are you going to do to go and make disciples of all nations? Dove, thanks for coming to visit us. Oh, so how do you pleasure. say your name in Hebrew? Well, my name in Hebrew would be Yonah, or as in the English battle, it would be Jonah. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your challenge to us in Dove's story. Lord, we've heard his story. We've understood it in a different way. Lord, please give us courage to live that. Please give us courage and wisdom how to respond to the compassion that you have shown us in a way different than what Dove did. Lord, we know that story is not just to entertain us, to not just tell us children's stories, but to challenge our own uh, value system, to help us see a world that needs Jesus. Lord, you have been so compassionate on us. We pray that you would make us compassionate towards others as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>